Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. All right, welcome to this next episode of Box Talk. I'm actually here in San Francisco with an awesome person. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey guys, thanks for having me, Heather. Uh, this is Juliette Starrett from San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility Wad. And mobility, yeah, two, two things going two on things. there. Two things. <laughs> oh thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for letting me come. It's fun to get you out of Louisville, have you in the big city. (laughs) I know. Get outside of Kentucky and see what the rest of the world is. See what the world is like. (laughs) Find California. It's beautiful here. It's like 64. I'm not sweating when I walk outside. It's so nice. It's amazing. It really is. But, anyways, Juliet, why don't we start off? I'd love to hear, you know, just kind of your story, you know, how you came to be in this awesome location right by the Golden Gate Bridge, how you came to own a freaking CrossFit gym and mobility wad and just all of that jazz. Sure. Um, well, in, in order to answer that question, I need to go way back into like the dawn of time. Um, but Kelly and I uh, used to be professional whitewater paddlers. So we actually met, we were both on the national whitewater team competing in a world championships in Chile um, in the year 2000. And that's actually how we met and were united. Um, I didn't know. Yeah, so we were both professional athletes, and then uh, I actually was on my way to law school, so Kelly moved out to San Francisco. He'd been living in Colorado at the time so that we could be together and I could go to law school. What a um, I know. It was, what yeah, a it, it, was a big, it was a big risk and a big move, and um, it worked out. But, um, but anyway, we, uh, we went through this phase when I was in law school. It was like a three-year period or two-and-a-half-year period where we retired from being professional athletes, and we were still wanted to, we were super active and we mountain biked and hiked and camped and rode our road bikes. And, and then, but we would, on a day-to-day basis, we would go to a Globo gym, this gym here in San Francisco called Club One. And we were so bored. I mean, we would do these little like Stairmaster workouts and we'd weight lift and, you know, we just, we felt like we knew we wanted to like keep our fitness up and, you know, stay active but we just were so bored. But we, there was no other play at that time. There was really like, if you wanted to just kind of keep your fitness up on a day-to-day basis, like you went to Club One or to 24-Hour Fitness or whatever. And one day Kelly was actually studying for PT school and he, you know, he's always been a bit of a nerd about like movement mechanics. I mean, this like predates my ever even meeting him that he's just a little bit, you know, he's always been interested in that subject and sort of how the human body works and how people move through space. And um, he was interested in, kind of combining like Olympic lifting and something and he was just really like and this is still like the early days of the internet even in 2003 and he is just doing some like rudimentary searches and he finds CrossFit um, randomly in an internet search yeah because he was like you know he combined a couple things like in a search like Olympic lifting and running or something you know he combined something and he found CrossFit and you know it was like he he said that he found it and he you know at first he was like okay is this like a neoconservative military cult like what am i seeing here but then he really dove into it and he was like whoa like this is cool and i've never seen anything like that so the next day we go to club one in the morning and kelly does cindy and i i'm still just an observer at this point i'm like okay he's found this thing and he's super pumped but he's also like found a lot of other things he's super yeah, pumped we'll about. Let so let's out, see how this goes. Yeah. So he does Cindy, and by the way, we think that we're fit people. You know, we're, again, like <laughs> recently retired professional athletes. I was gonna say, white we've always been active. Yeah. You know, I was a rower in college and in high school, and you know, we've always been like very fit and very active. So we think we're awesome. Kelly does Cindy, and you know, I don't know what a good score is on Cindy, but Kelly got like eight. 
rounds in 20 minutes, right? Isn't that what it is? I feel like eight rounds. And even then, he went on to the CrossFit message board because, you know, CrossFit would put up a program and everyone who was following CrossFit back then, back then would post their scores in yeah. the comments. Um, and I think that's changed a little bit. I don't think that's as much of a thing. But everybody did. So Kelly went on there and saw that he sucked at Cindy, even <laughs> back then. And he was like, oh, I can't believe this. And I think it was really sort of revelatory for him because I think he realized that there was so much out there that we were missing. And like CrossFit was like, we, we realized pretty early on that this was like, you know, the first thing that brought in a ton of complexity and coaching and care of programming and really that was so interesting to us pretty early on. You know, and I think he then did Fran and he got like 15 minutes on Fran. And, you know, he just like, we did, so then I start, I'm watching him and then I start doing some of the workouts with him because I'm like, huh, this looks interesting and I want to see how I can do it. Of course, I was terrible. Yeah. Like, okay, I was terrible as well at the beginning, just horrible at it. And, and I think it piqued both of our interest though because I think it was the first time we were like, oh, okay, wow, like this is interesting. Like, A, it's fun. It's, it's poking huge holes in our fitness and our fitness background and our strength and really everything about our health and fitness is like we're have major holes are being poked in it right now. And, and then there was, it was so interesting. There was so much to learn. You know, there were so many skills, you know, I had never, I'd done a bunch of weightlifting and rowing, but I'd never done any Olympic lifting. Um, you know, there were so many skills I'd literally never done before. And, you know, at the time I started CrossFit, I couldn't do a pull up and that's shocking given that I literally rode in high school and then a cow. Um, and so I, I look back, I'm like, what was I doing? Like, what were people teaching me? So it was so exciting and interesting for us that the following year in 2004, I actually, for, and we were broke, like I was a law student and Kelly was working at the sports basement and you know, we were broke, broke, broke. And so for his birthday, I sent him to the CrossFit level one certification and it was a thousand dollars still back then. And for us, that was like $20 million. It was, it was a lot of money. But it was worth it. It was so worth it. And it was so important and he was so pumped. And it was actually back in the olden days when um, the CrossFit Level 1 seminar was three days long. Wow. And, you know, there would be like two a year or something. Yeah. And Kelly went down to San Diego. It was mostly him and a lot of, it was mostly military. The other folks in there were mostly military or former military. Um, and, and he loved it. And he loved the community. And he loved the other people. And everyone who went to the seminar was like just as much of a nerd about, you know, all this as he was. And I think he was like, he's like, I found my thing. So excited, and we were both so excited about it. We had started, um, we started then, we got some like cheap equipment on Craigslist, um, which by the way, I've said this to you before, but t people really take for granted how easy it is to come by gym equipment these days. In those days, it was actually really hard to find. You couldn't find bumper plates anywhere. Gymnastics equipment was impossible to find. It was, you know, so it was really, a, it was a challenge to get, actually find the equipment we wanted to use across. Right. If you wanted a box jump, you needed to go out there and saw the wood and hammer together yourself. You could not commercially buy a box jump back then. So. We, uh, we got some like rudimentary equipment off of Craigslist, used like, you know, metal plates and a couple barbells. We start doing some workouts in our backyard. Our landlords are like, what are those guys doing down there? <laughs> and then they actually came down and started doing it with us. Oh, they were intrigued. Way. Yeah. And then a couple of our other friends 
We're like, what are you guys doing? That looks fun. So then they started coming over. So we started having this crew of people at six o'clock in the morning in our backyard in the middle of San Francisco in a, like we lived in a two-story flat in San Francisco, you know, so dense housing. We're in our backyard. And one morning we had like seven people at six o'clock in the morning. We're all working out and oh we're slamming goodness. balls and doing all this stuff. And one of the neighbors opens his window and he's like, will you guys shut the F up? And um, so that was sort of the first time that Kelly and I were like, okay, this backyard thing may not work out in the long term. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like dropping weights and box slam and like slamming balls on the ground in a densely populated urban backyard at 6 a.m. Not that great. So, um, so we, so, so just to give you a picture at that time, um, now it's 2005. We've now gotten up to 2005. So we were doing CrossFit casually from like late 2003 all through 2004 and hadn't started a gym yet. And I, by this point, had been practicing law, so I was working full-time as a, at a big, huge international law firm called Reed Smith. And Kelly um, was in PT school. So, uh, so we just, you know, we were working on all these people in our backyard and we're like, this is fun. Like, we are excited about this. This is awesome. There's no CrossFit in San Francisco anywhere or anywhere nearby. The, at the time we started looking, there were like five CrossFits. Um, there was NorCal CrossFit up in Chico. Uh, there was a CrossFit up in Seattle. I mean, there were just, obviously in Santa Cruz, there were literally like five CrossFits. Yeah, there weren't a lot. So it wasn't like we could go and be a member of a CrossFit. So we're like, well, let's just start our own CrossFit. Yeah, why not? Let's just you know, like, so we had a friend of ours make us a really rudimentary website. And, you know, we, as you know, we started out in the park, which, which is now lovingly known as the parking lot of dreams. Um, but we were working out, we, we bought a container and we were set up in a 40,000 square foot parking lot right underneath the Golden Gate Bridge over here. And, you know, we really didn't start it trying to be a business. We were like, we love CrossFit. This is so awesome. Like, we're having so much fun doing this. We want to do it. Some of our friends want to do it. We need a bigger space in our backyard. You know, it's not like we had a business plan or any high hopes. There was no models. You know, people didn't start CrossFits back then because they wanted to run a business that made money. They started CrossFit because they were like, this is awesome. Um, and it's, so it's obviously very different nowadays. You know, people go into it like, okay, I want to start a business and actually, you know, pay my mortgage doing this. Um, and so we, you know, bought a shipping container and like $1,000 worth of cheap equipment. And we put up a little schedule. And so Kelly was in PT school at the time. So we would have two classes a day, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. And Kelly coached them all. And then would go to PT school in the middle. And I was practicing law. And I was still like, you know, working on the sort of back end, like the website and the basic stuff, you know, in my free time. And we also had a baby somewhere in there. Our first kid, Georgia, was born somewhere in there. And, um, and you know, what was amazing to us is people started coming. And, you know, our website was like a total piece of craft. It was just basically like a, a picture. You were like, what's with some, like It was like static. You know, there weren't any buttons. It was just like the schedule was sort of on there and like some writing. And, and um, I'll never forget, actually, the first. So it was mostly our friends coming. And I'll never forget, actually, there was, it was a night class. Kelly had gone down and he came home and he said, you know, we had our first like person come who we didn't know. Like wasn't a friend, wasn't a friend of a friend. I can't even remember how he found out about it. But he's like, you know, we had this Indian kid came and he did the workout and he barfed in the bushes oh. from the workout. <laughs> well, it, this Indian kid is a guy we know named Anil, and he's still our friend to this day. He lives up in Sacramento now. He no but longer barfs in bushes. He no longer barfs in bushes. Right. But, but, you know, 
like people just started coming, you know, and it grew from there. And for many years, again, we, I was still practicing law, you know, working 70 hours a week as a lawyer. Kelly, by this point, had gotten out of PT school and was working a full-time regular PT job at a place called the Stone Clinic nearby here. And, you know, we still were doing this on the side. We met Adrian Bosman. Um, and he was our first coach, and that was great because it meant that Kelly didn't need to be down there every single day of the week, two days, two times a day. Um, but, you know, still, it was just a very organic thing. You know, literally, our business plan was if we have a plus in, you know, like plus 1,000 or plus 2,000 in our bank account, we'll buy some barbells. Awesome. <laughs> and that's kind of how it was for, like, the first three years. It was just really organic, and, you know, when we had money, we bought equipment, and, you know, we started setting, you know, we started setting up systems like my body slowly in 2007, 2008. But, you know, the first two years were just like, it was purely for fun. Like, we wanted a place to train. We wanted to create a place for our friends to train. People started coming. You know, it felt super organic and fun. Um, and, you know, then obviously we realized like, oh, well, people, also, other people besides us are excited about this. And, you know, maybe we should actually try to set it up like a real business. <laughs> so eventually we did. We got, um, we got there. It just took some time. Yeah. You know? By 2007, 2008, we're like, okay, you know, this is obviously a thing. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. And it's going to last, and we need to actually put in some systems and process. So, yes. you know, by 2007, 2008, we actually were starting to take it seriously as a business, but that was not our original intention. No, you just were having, you just yeah. people having fun. Yeah. And that's really true. We really just loved it. You know, and then the birth of Mobility Wad. Uh, Mobility Wad started in about 2008 or 9. And what happened there is uh, Kelly eventually left his full time. He worked for two years as a full time PT at the Stone Clinic. And then um, we decided that we could live on my lawyer income, and Kelly would bring his PT. He'd start his own PT clinic within our gym. So okay. he, we had, he bought another container. Um, it was like an office, and <laughs> it was lovingly called the pain box. So, um, so he had like this little room with a massage table in it, and he would see eight hours in a row of PT clients and coach classes, and he was down there all the time. And I was still running the business side on the side of my lawyer job, sometimes during it. Um, hopefully they don't hear that. But anyway, um, I was running the business side. But, you know, Kelly was seeing a ton of clients at our PT clinics, and he started seeing like the same five, people were showing like the same five things. Hmm. You know, the same shoulder, low back, this, that, you know, and, um, and Kelly's like, you know, I'm seeing the same problems in these athletes coming in to see me. And in order for them to come see me, you know, they need to take like three hours off of work and pay me $125 for a session. And, and he's like, and really it's one of two things. I mean, it's either that they're not getting the right kind of coaching and that they're, they're created these problems with poor mechanics or they're not taking care of themselves. They're training really hard, they're doing triathlons, they're running, they're doing CrossFit, and then they're literally like going and sitting in a desk chair and doing nothing. They're not mobilizing, doing soft tissue work, they're doing none of that. Um, and I think he was like, hey, I see a hole here. Like there's a hole here. And so many of his clients, you know, like 95% of them, he's like, what I'm seeing them for in my PT clinic is totally preventable. Mm -hmm. um, so he just was like, there's a hole here and I've got something to say, so I'm gonna just post this video. So that was the birth of Mobility Wad. I mean, same thing with Mobility Wad though. You know, we didn't go into it thinking this is gonna be a business. We just literally saw a hole in information in the universe. No one else was talking about this. No one else was addressing this. And Kelly's like, we need to talk about this. Yeah, you're so, passionate enough that, yeah. I mean, he was passionate yeah. enough that he wanted, right. he wanted to say right. stuff. Right, so, so that's where that started. I really went on way too long, I apologize. <laughs> 
once once you you know change your mentality about you know San Francisco CrossFit and mobility one and realize hey like these these things can be real thriving businesses. Yeah. What did it take to change that mentality and and find success within the businesses that you were growing? I mean, were there certain you know steps or, or things that you look back on and be like those were awesome things we did and yeah. we still do now. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we've always done is really keep an eye on our core mission, which is, yeah, we're a business and yeah, we're trying to make money, but like really our core mission is to create a positive experience for people with really good coaching. And that's kind of what we've tried. We've been known for and what we've tried to continue to be known for is really quality coaching. So, I mean, a couple of things just on a basic business end. I mean, early on we had to set up systems like, you know, we mind body and, you know, a way for people to, I mean, early on people literally would write us a check and that was the only way they could pay. So, I mean, you know, it, you know, we had to set up some basic systems. You know, we actually had to have a functioning website. We had to have a way for people to pay with credit cards and follow recurring payments so that you could actually, you know, cause that was the other thing, you know, when people pay you by a check, it's like, they probably only pay you really 10 out of every 12 months and it's hard to track. And, you know, so we really had to set up some like really important systems to make sure that our members were actually paying, not that anyone was ever trying to steal, but just that, you know, we had to have systems in place so that people had recurring payments set up and had membership options. The other thing we did early on um, is we did start an intro program, an on-ramping kind of thing. So you could either go to an on-ramp class or start with private coaching. Um, but I think that was really important early on in CrossFit because I think then, and I think less so now, but still a little bit now, you know, people sometimes think CrossFit is kind of aggro or scary. And we realized that that was a really critical step to sort of baby steps to people starting in and realize that like, hey, you know, this is for everybody. You know, my 70 year old mother trains here and my 10 year old kid trains here. And, you know, everybody can do this. You know, and the beauty is that it's ultimately totally scalable. And as long as you just are set up for success as you come in the door, you know, we know you're going to like it. So for us, setting that up too. And then another huge thing we've done with it from within that's been, I think, really important for us is we have a very intensive internship slash apprenticeship program yes, for remember, our staff. I remember hearing about that yeah, thing and, in your cover story, and that was one of the things that was highlighted. Yeah, and for me, that's been really important because we've only really hired from without a couple of times, and we haven't had the greatest success with that, although I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I know there's tons of amazing coaches out there. But what's worked really well for us is is um, creating this very long intensive apprenticeship program you know because my view is that the CrossFit level one seminar is excellent I mean it's the best it's the best two-day weekend seminar in the fitness world in my view it's a great course um, but you don't know how to be a coach after you take that you know I mean that's like saying you can go like be a physics teacher by taking a weekend seminar you can't you know I believe it takes minimum of three years to really get your sea legs and be a good coach um, and and I don't I would never put anyone on my floor with just a seminar under their belt um, so to me that's just you know it's just it's not I would never do it that way and what I've learned by this apprenticeship program is it's, it's, it's there's been a couple great benefits of it um, we do it a couple times a year we have largely hired our um, from our membership base um, or people who knew they wanted to work here, so they became members. They're already coaches, but they became members in order to become known in our community and then join our internship program. Oh, wow. So we've That's had how quite, badly they wanted yeah, to work here. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and the internship program's been great because it takes our, we require our interns to do 160 hours of shadow coaching, assistant coaching, hanging around the gym and, you know, like mopping the floor and just being present. Um, getting to know our staff, but it ultimately acts like a three to six month interview 
which is great because by the end you really know like does this person fit in well with our staff do our clients like this person you know can this person manage a large class you know you, you really can check already a lot of the boxes about whether this person's going to see success um, it also gives us time to work with them on some of the lesser known things that are like often overlooked but I think almost as important as your coaching ability which is like can you write an email in the English language can you manage your email can you follow up with clients can you manage a book of business because you know here at San Francisco CrossFit a lot of our clients are CEOs and people who are you know attorneys and people who are working at a high level and they are gonna jettison a personal trainer who can't return emails can't keep a book can't keep schedule can't write emails in a you know complete sentences like it sounds silly but this is actually important because you've got to speak to your clientele and your clientele especially people who can afford to come to CrossFit are gonna be people who want to be spoken to on those terms so the internship has given us a chance to say hey this is how you do it and this is what's gonna work and this is how you're gonna retain business um, so we try to sort of set them up for success so before anyone at my gym coaches a single class they've already done a CrossFit level one seminar they've done our mobility wad seminar they've done an Olympic lifting seminar they've assisted coached 160 hours and by then also our, our members already know them because this was another issue we had early on. Every new coach we brought on, our members hated them. And that is including, God love him, Adrian Bosman. You know, we had a member who was like, this guy Adrian Bosman is a hack and we're out of here and left our gym because, and you know, Adrian Bosman is one of the greatest CrossFit coaches to ever live. But he was a brand new CrossFit coach. You know, he just didn't totally have his legs and he was learning how to manage a group and, you know, and, and he was just a new CrossFit coach. And, you know, even then he was excellent in our view. But we had some members and, and we've had that notoriously all along. You know, people don't like change. They, they, people they, hate change. <laughs> people hate change. Um, and so we just didn't have success rolling people right onto the gym floor. But, you know, if they've been seeing an intern around the gym for four months every single day and they know their name and they've already become part of the community. And then when they're like, oh, you know, Max is now coaching my class today. I know Max. I know what to yeah, expect. comfortable with Right. That. I know that he, right. And I also think, you know, because we do pull from our membership, it's like people need to make a mental shift to be, okay, this guy, Max, used to be the guy that I partnered with to do squats in a class, and now he's going to be telling me how to squat. And that's a mental shift for members, because especially we've have, we have people who've been members here for like almost 10 years who could easily coach a class because they've been members so long. So we have to have a staff that can meet those needs, you know, that we, we can't have a staff who can't, who's, we can't have members who are more sophisticated than our staff. Yeah, and I've heard of situations where that yeah. members leave because like someone who's now a coach had been like a member with them before and they're like, I know more than them. Right. So in their mind. Yeah, we've had that, yeah, we have same feedback. So that, the internship has eliminated that because everybody our members know what it what it takes they see it they see how much these people are here and how dedicated they have to be because you know we don't pay them so um in fact they pay because they maintain a membership here wow. so you know this people they, but are, they must really people want are dedicated yeah. yes and so so it's been the internship program has been one of the greatest things i think because as you and i talked about before we started this interview i mean you know people are everything and they're also they're the best part and the most challenging part as a business <laughs> yes. owner. So, um, so uh, for us, it's been great because we've had a few people come through, not that many. We've had a few people come through that it's just clear they're not a good fit. And I even think it's clear to them. 
it hasn't actually been an issue. I think they kind of know that it's not a good fit. And, and I also think that it gives coaches a really good idea of what an actual coach's life is like. You know, I had a coach a few years ago who's like, hey, I want to coach here, but I can only coach between the hours of 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. And I was like, seriously? Because let me tell you how it is to be a coach. I mean, it's, it's a hard life. You know, you have to be a person of many talents and, you know, you've got to be able to coach, you have to have, be able to human interact, you have to do all those administrative things, like I said, which is email and maintain a book of business and be a good communicator. It's a really, and then the hardest part is you got to get up at five o'clock in the morning every day. And then you might need to work from five o'clock in the morning till 930 in the morning and then go home and then you might need to come back again that night. And that's the life of a coach. And I think it may seem cool as a member when you come on in and you witness that, but it's hard. It can be a super grind. Um, and I think when you are on the floor as an intern, you see the reality of what the life is like. And we've had a couple of people be like, okay, this was awesome. I totally thought it was for me. It's not for me. Yeah, and, you know? and that's before they've committed to anything. Right, and before we've committed to them, and it's great. So for me, the internship program has been a really critical part of our sort of staff success. Um, and how, how many interns do you typically have at a time? We have one to two on some, some internship rounds, and then a couple times we've had four. I don't like having that many because somehow I think then they feel like they're competing with one another for a job. And, you know, so, so I think two at a time is a really nice balance. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and they really become real tight, the two interns actually, you know. We had this great class of interns with this young kid named Ivan who unfortunately moved back home and teaches at home and he's amazing. Um, but he was 22 and we paired him up with uh, Elena who is our 55 year old Russian coach who is, uh, you know, obviously at face value, they could not be more different yes. people. Um, you know, and, but they developed this amazing bond and friendship, the two of them, that like they never would have been friends in regular life, but they went through this intensive process together and like created this amazing friendship out of it. And they never would have otherwise. So um, I think the other thing that I'm sort of obsessed with lately that um, I think gym owners don't pay enough attention to is diversity. Um, in staff, and I think it's really important. Um, and not just cultural diversity and men and women, but also age diversity. Um, we have several coaches, actually three coaches that are in their 50s. Um, and, and you don't, you don't see that? No, and you know, it's been a mix and a challenge sometimes because you know, sometimes our 22 year old members who wanna do 50 pull-ups and have a coach with no shirt on um, don't necessarily totally jive with our like 55 year old woman, lesbian, Russian coach. Um, but we also, uh, those coaches have been able to bring in a whole different type of clientele. You know, our Elena, the, our amazing Russian coach offers a master, we have a master's program here. So she works with old, you know, my, it's the, the class my 72 year old mother comes to. Um, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, yeah. Oh, that's so Yeah, great. she'll be here tomorrow morning, so oh we'll meet her. Goodness. But uh, <laughs> anyway, she, so she comes to our master's class, and, and um, I think it really is sort of this notion that this sort of ideal of like the 25-year-old, you know, jacked guy with huge pecs is great, but I think it's also really important to see that like, you know, a, a diverse age, yeah. gender, cultural diverse staff is really going to make your whole gym better and well, because more. the people who do CrossFit are diverse. Right, right, right. And so I think it's something I don't hear enough gym owners talk about. For me, it's actually a thing. I'm aware of it. 
I think about it in my hiring decisions. I, you know, I, I know that, uh, owners who would never even consider a couple of the people I've hired because they're like, who's gonna hire this 55 year old lady? Um, and I think that's a mistake because I think, you know, you want your coaching staff to sort of reflect what your membership is. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. And in our case, we want people, we want young, excited 22 year olds who want to do Fran every day. And we also want the older folks who, you know, want personal training or want to go to a master's class or whatever. Yeah. I have no idea if I actually answered your original question <laughs> because you asked it now 20 minutes ago. Um, I'm pretty sure you did. I don't know. I don't think it matters because you just gave so much good advice. So <laughs> I was like, was, what are we even talking about? You no, know, it was about business success. I'm pretty sure we were on the same track. Okay. Um, and I'm just kind of curious too, like with, so what we've been talking about before was like, you know, how have you grown San Francisco CrossFit, like uh, things you've learned and such. But how about like mobility law? Like, you know, that started out as a passion that Kelly yeah. had. And I'm just kind of curious, like, what did it take to turn that into thriving business it is? Yeah, well, so again, we our, our mission, our original mission was to do the mobility product project, which was 365 days of videos, which ended up actually taking us almost 18 months to actually film because, you know, I don't know how many of your listeners have filmed video a day, um, but it's actually hard. Even a three-minute video, even yes. a three-minute video, it's hard. You know, it's just like, man... Um, I mean, and often, you know, speaking of the 1130 at night, I mean, most of the early Mobility Wad videos were filmed in our garage at like 1030 at night oh by God. me holding an iPhone because that was the technology we had at that point. And I'm a horrible camera person, by the way, even though I'm, I think I'm the most prolific filmer of like movement and mechanic videos on earth, but I'm, it's not a good skill of mine. So if you ever see poor camera work, it's me. Anyway, so, um, yeah, it's me. But anyway, so we, we set out to do this thing because, again, like I said earlier in the interview, that we had sort of seen this hole and we knew people, you know, we knew people needed this information. And we were like, hey, this is kind of an ambitious thing, but, like, let's just put it out there and see what it is. So we created a YouTube channel and started making videos, and, um, and it was really, I mean, it was exhausting um, and fun, you know, but um, in the, so we, you know, we were just posting them on YouTube originally, and we had, like, a blogger site set up. And then about a year into it, when we still had probably another six months of video still to film, we actually built a, like a real website. Um, and you know, websites are kind of expensive to build, so that was an investment, you know, of whatever. It probably cost us like five thousand bucks to build the website. Um, um, but you know, we still were. We saw that. So what we started to see was we were spending a ton of our time and actual money. Um, and we realized that if we wanted to keep it going, that we needed to figure out a way to make some revenue off of it. And, and in part, just because we're like, hey, we can't, this, we, this is a passion project for, for us, but we can't lose money on it. That's yeah. sort of the starting point. Yes. Um, we'll be more excited about it if we actually are making a little bit of money. Oh, and, yeah. you know, we really thought like, we, so in 2013, I actually started in 2012, um, I started working on what is now, I mean, we've had now like two iterations since then, but it was the first site, Mobility Wild site we built where you could become a subscriber, where we charged. Um, and it was actually very complicated because when you think about technology today and, you know, even back in 2013, the only people who were doing a good job storing and managing a lot of video content was porn. So amusingly enough, my website developer and I spent a lot of time actually together at a desk, which is just comical, the two of us, looking at how porn sites 
organized and filtered and right. I mean, it's like really comical. But literally back then, no one, literally in no other you industry. You had to learn it from somewhere. Yeah, there was literally no other industry of any kind that had as. I mean, by this point, we probably had like 400. We were starting off with like 400 videos that we needed to have a way that people could filter and organize and find and search and and they. Porn was the only, so I always think that's so funny because I mean, it was like totally awkward. I'm like, website guy, nice to meet you. Okay, let's like look at these. I mean, you know, we're not actually wa watching the videos, no. but we were oh, looking at the functionality of these sites and that's, it was just super awkward that's and a really funny. backstory. Though. Yeah, so, so, I, it, so because it was so complicated, it took us like almost six months to build um, and it was really very, like it's a pretty high-end site when it was published first. Um, and we decided, we thought of two avenues. We thought we'll keep it all free and we'll advertise on the videos. Mm -hmm. Or we could do the subscription model. But there was also no, um, you know, the New York Times had started charging for a subscription and uh, some companies were starting to do it, but no one in the fitness world was charging a subscription for any content. Um, so it was a risk. And basically we're like, hey, if we could just get like a thousand subscribers, we could like pay for this web expensive website we just built and like, Maybe make a little bit of money. But, you know, we knew we wanted to keep the price point really low. It's $7.99 a month to be a subscriber, which I always like to tell everyone is like less than two Starbucks lattes that's um, a, that's for a lot of content. Netflix. We still to this day, yeah, it's Netflix. It's cheaper than Netflix because Netflix is now $9.99. Yes, they went up. Yes, it went up. So we just, we wanted to keep it at a really low, like accessible price point for people. Um, and I was worried that we would get pushed back when we published it. And, you know, there were like two people who were like, oh, I have to pay for this. And we were like, first of all, all our free videos are actually still free on YouTube. So you, you don't need to go to Mobility Watch. And, and it was interesting, we actually didn't need to engage at all. There were a lot of our like fan, it, first of all, it was like five people who complained. And those five people really got shut down by our like supporters and fans because yeah. our supporters and fans came straight in and they're like, hey, this is how much like two lattes cost. And yeah. you know, this is amazing content. They've been yeah. providing it for free for two years, you know, like, like Anyway, it was actually like people really kind of, cool. and it and people it shut it down. People just that. any complaining shut it down. And you know we uh, our subscription varies, but you know we have anywhere between like nine and ten thousand subscribers. So I mean it's been great. I mean we literally we literally went in like it'd be awesome if we could get a thousand subscribers and just break even, like break even on our website and yeah. maybe like make a few hundred bucks. You know, that was kind of our thinking. So so it was a great success and I think we had, you know, we really kept it at a low price point. We still to this day post a daily video, um, which is, I, I really want to emphasize to people, it is no small task to do that. I mean, we film them usually in chunks and blocks, yeah, right? Say you probably get them we, done. Yeah, we do them in blocks, like we film two times a week or once a week or something. So it's not like we're filming a video every day anymore. 10.30 at night in your garage. We don't do yeah. that. We're trying to be more pro, um, but, uh, but, you know, we still put up daily content and we add a bunch of pro episodes and, you know, and then since then we've added like a line of products that we sell with Rogue Fitness. Obviously we, we write books, so we've got books out there. Um, we started this thing that, that I think is really cool and this wasn't, this was never really intended to be a revenue stream, but it's called MWOD List. Um, and one of the biggest questions we got, have you seen MWOD List? Yes. Yeah. That, you've like, you've yeah. like created a map. Right, it's kind of like an Angie's list, but for providers, you know, for yeah, PTs, Kairos, um, and you know, we, we need to do a better job of getting the word out there on that, I'll say, but um, one of the biggest questions that we received over the many years via email was, hey, I know Kelly's this great PT, and I, but I live in Louisville, yeah. and I can't find anyone. <laughs> like, I can't come yeah. see how do, right, 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 like, how do I find a Kelly, but in yes. wherever I live? 
Um, and so that's why we created MWODLIST, was we, were, we got that question a lot. And we know that there are all these amazing physicians, chiropractors, PTs, a lot of whom follow our work. And we were like, how do we connect those people with our users? Um, and so that's still sort of an area where we're kind of working on how do we let people know that's out there and get it out there. I mean, I think we probably have like 800 providers on there now, but I think it's going to be, it's, as we continue to grow, that it's going to be more effective. Because like right now, I have no, no idea if there's someone in Louisville, for example. So um, anyway, but uh, so we have MWOD list. Um, and then our next venture, which you and I were just talking about, is we're actually going to start a podcast this fall. Um, called the Ready State, um, and I think it's just going to be a yeah, big it's going to be really fun. People it. have been suggesting we start a podcast for a long time, yeah. and um, it's going to be a fun project. For a pro fun project, yeah, it's going to be a fun project. So we've got some cool people on board to help us with that, and it's going to be really fun. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, I'm excited to listen to that. I'm really so, so thank you. Yeah. yeah, well, at least we'll have one listener. Woohoo! <laughs> I, I think you're going to have slightly more than one. And like one listener, yeah. we're good. We're good. So. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, we're just, we're excited. You know, we uh, we have like five more books in the hopper that we're working on. Oh my gosh, yeah, um, your newest one, Deskbound. Yeah, Deskbound was just published at the end of April, and um, it was a, a national bestseller and Wall Street Journal bestseller. And, um, Congratulations. So, yeah, not New York Times, but you know, whatever, that's fine. Hey, um, hey. yeah. It was a bestseller somewhere. It was a bestseller somewhere. <laughs> and, um, and your mom didn't just buy it. Yeah, and that was definitely, uh, that's also another sort of, as you know, we are, we're obsessed with, uh, you know, people sitting too much, really. Um, I'm sorry that we're sitting I know, we're right totally, now. I know, we're sitting right now, people, while we're listening to this, but, um, but yeah, you know, we, that was another thing Kelly saw a lot in his PT practice was that he was seeing a lot of orthopedic dysfunction and attributing it to people, you know, going out and training for their triathlon at six o'clock in the morning and like running and biking and swimming and then getting to their office by 8.30 and literally sitting for 12 hours. And Kelly's like, hey, you know, you can't. And he did a talk at Google way back in 2010 called Deskbound for the Google employees. And it was, it was, you know, partly about, hey, you might want to consider a standing desk, but also partly about like, hey, if you're going to sit all day, you need to spend time at night undoing the damage of sitting. You know, and so it's kind of a, and that's basically what Deskbound is. I mean, we're obviously fans of the standing desk. We think it's just a healthier and better way to work. Yeah. Um, and it creates a lot of opportunity to move throughout yeah. the day versus sitting where you're just a blob. You guys have even been putting standing desks in schools. We have a nonprofit called Stand Up Kids, and we, um, we estimate that we have like 30,000 kids actually nationwide at standing desks. Um, so it's, that's like, that. there's obviously something to it. You know, what we've learned with the kids movement is that, Teachers are the ones who are, um, you know, the, the sort of scientific estimates out there now are kids today are sitting like 14 hours a day. And they're only awake for like 16 hours a day. So, so all these kids may be like cruising to their after school soccer practice for an hour, but they're literally, and, you know, and, and it's different from when we were kids. You know, obviously we sat at school, but, you know, kids now have more homework. They no longer walk to school. You know, it's like, like in, when I was a kid in the 70s, apparently, like the stats show that like 80% of kids walk to school, and now it's down to like 13% of kids walk to school. So kids aren't walking to school. They're getting driven or taking the bus. Um, they have more homework, so they're spending more time sitting, doing their homework. Then, of course, there's technology, and they're all on it a lot. And Except for Pokemon Go. That's getting at least you're moving. <laughs> Which actually, I'm like, that's great. At least they're outside, like breathing fresh air. Breathing fresh air. I, yeah. their, head, their head is glued to yeah, the Yeah, I mean, they may get run over by a car. But, um, yeah, so. It's okay. You're like, they'll be fine. So, uh, so anyway, what, what we learned is that, you know, people need to stand up at work. Yeah. 
you know, we what, one of the things I think we made very clear in the in the book Deskbound is that we sort of made these categories. We call it optional versus non-optional sitting, and I think that that's really the lens with which people should look at their life. You know, obviously there is non-optional sitting. We all fly on planes. You know, if you, you have to, yeah, if you have to commute by car to your office, like we get that. Like we're not saying that you need to. You know, I also am like a traditionalist, and we actually sit at the dinner table and eat dinner as a family. We don't stand there. So I mean, you know, there. Um, but there is also a ton of optional sitting, and we consider office work to be optional sitting. We think that's a time you should be standing because not only are you standing, but you. It, you naturally if you have a pulse you're moving around and shifting positions and more likely to get up and take a walk to the break room or whatever um, and then just to be conscious of it I mean I yeah. think you know like what one statistic we like to toss out to people is that if you sit more than six hours a day medically you're considered a sedentary person well I like everybody listening to this to do a track them, track themselves for one day because you know I actually rarely sit and I stand at a standing desk at work um, and I work, my job is very flexible and I'm moving around and standing and talking to people a lot during the day and have a lot of meetings. Um, but still, I commute. Um, you know, I like to watch Game of Thrones. Um, that's, that's a good hour. Yeah. Uh, I, sit at, I sit at meals, right? And that alone is like more than six hours often. So I, I think people really, I think people are really, I think people are in denial about actually how much they're sitting. And I think there's, it's twofold. I mean, just for general health, it's, I mean, there's no, the scientific consensus is very clear that like for your health generally, you know, sitting too much is increasing your risk of like cancer and heart, heart disease and a myriad of other sort of metabolic diseases. Um, and then orthopedically, it's a disaster. I mean, you can't train as a recreational athlete and then sit all day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, you can't like put all your joints at a 90 degree angle and then be like, get up and go do this intense crossword workout and be like, my low back, I don't, you know, I mean, you know, at some point you're like, you're, don't come to my PT clinic. Like you need to stand. And then if that, and I can't tell you, I mean, this is anecdotal for sure, but I mean, we have had a ton of people report to us that they just switched from sitting to standing and their low back pain was gone. And you know, low back pain is like the number one reason employees miss work. So employers should care about this. Um, and the other big message I send though to people is, you know, there is this, I think, very backward mentality people have that they're, you know, that I have so many people say to me like, well, my employer requires me to get a doctor's note in order to get a standing desk. And I, I really like, this is dumbfounding to me because I'm like, your health is your responsibility, not your employer's. And if you think you might feel better or be healthier at a standing desk, like buy one yourself. There are a ton, you know, in the old days, even five years ago, they were all $5,000. But, you know, now there are plenty of desks that are like $200 that you just put on top of your other desk. And there's even this rad, cool standing desk made by the founder of Hootsuite called the, yeah, it, he's the CEO of Hootsuite. And he's like, I need a cheap standing desk. I need to get off my chair. And he designed a cardboard standing desk, which I have no connection to them. So this is not like a sales pitch that does me any benefit. Um, it's called the Aura Stand. It's a $25 cardboard standing desk, and it's super beefy. I've seen one and used one, and you put it you put it on top of your desk. So I mean, you know, everyone, if you have a job, you can probably afford a $28 cardboard standing desk to put your computer on and laptop and just break up your day with some standing. Um, so you know, I, I really like my big message is like 
this is your responsibility, not your employer's. And if you want a standing desk, just go get one. I mean, I can't tell you how many people are like, submitted my doctor's note, I'm still waiting. I'm like, why? Why? And I feel like Juliet, though, I feel like you're speaking directly to me. I'm like, I'm going to go out and buy a stand desk. Well, now. you know what's funny? <laughs> my, brother is, um, my brother is a very, like, actually famous architect um, who is not athletic at all. We're, like, totally opposite in that way. Well, I don't know that he's not athletic, but he does not care to move his body in any way. <laughs> and he's real tall, and he's not fat, he's thin, but... Um, but he, uh, he, he actually is the designer. He's designed all of our book covers. He does this like as he's really busy and doesn't have time, but he's done it as a side job because we really wanted to have all our book covers have sort of a like design cool feel to them. So they're all sort of different. Um, and so he obviously spent a lot of time looking at the book Deskbound before it was published. And he literally was like, I, so I just was at his office in LA and this is my brother who's like not motivated to move. He, it's so funny, he has this huge architecture office. He's the only one in there standing and he stands now. And he literally was like, I read Deskbound and I was like, you can't read Deskbound and not switch to a standing desk. Wow. And I mean, this is like, this is, I was shocked actually. Cause I was like, if there's anyone on earth who's gonna read Deskbound, and not do it. It's gonna be my brother. And um, I couldn't. Surprise! I just. I just was in his office last weekend in LA when Kelly and I were down there for a conference, and I was like, yes. And I. It actually makes. Sometimes I worry about him. He's my brother, and I'm like, he doesn't exercise, and like, oh my god, I like worry as his sister. And I literally felt so relieved when I saw he was at a standing desk. I was like, dude, that's better than nothing. Wow. So, yeah. Now that you've talked to me, you're. I'm gonna be. I want to be this little like. Like, be around, like, circling around your ears. Yeah. Stand, stand, stand. Well, yeah. after I read your, your last blog for us about Deskbound yeah. and kind of breaking down some of that, I was like, whoa. So, I mean, even even that blog has had an impact. I'm like, okay, I probably should stand yeah. here yeah. Or, or sit differently or, you know, be in a different position yeah. because it's just better for my body. And it is. I mean, presumably most of the people listening to this are people that are athletic doing some kind of athletics, right? CrossFit or whatever they're doing, and this is why they're engaged. Um, and this is really, I mean, it's standing at work is better for everybody, but I mean, really this idea that, that you can perform at the level you wanna perform at athletically when you're sitting 12 hours a day, it just, it's just, it's an absurd notion. Um, and so, and I think that people would see a lot of you know, improvement in mobility, resolution of orthopedic problems, and maybe most importantly, better performance athletically which is more motivating to people than like doom and gloom so yeah. um so it, you know i think it's really simple and 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 it does take a little while to transition like i i've been at a standing desk now for five years you know i think the goal for people should be if you have to sit for long periods of time you feel horrible and everyone i know who has switched to a standing desk has had that right like when you switch to a standing desk, it's hard. For the first like month or so, you'll get home and you'll be like, I am exhausted. Say, it's it's actually, it's a little more tiring. It's taxing. You actually have to kind of train up for it. And once you train up for it, you tran once you, you know, six weeks, you transition and you're actually comfortable and you don't feel blown out and tired. But it, there is a transitional period to, ex and I think if people go in expecting that. Um, but... Uh, but now, because I don't sit very much, I noticed that like Kelly and I just did this big road trip to the West and we had a couple of like 10 hour car, car ride days and we were broken when we got out of the car. And that's I think what people's goal should be. Your goal should be that you sit so infrequently that if you're forced to sit on a long plane ride or a long car ride, you like, oh my God, 
I need to stand up. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Not the other way around, right? Yeah. If standing feels horrible, like something's wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, a lot of it is in the setup, you know? I mean, I think if anyone who's listening to this is considering getting a standing desk, they should really take a look at some of the pages of Deskbound because, you know, people can make a few errors. You know, we have a lot of people who too robustly switch to standing desks and then fail because, you know, we say like, get yourself on a shaping gradient. Like if you've never stood at a standing desk, don't just stand for 10 continuous hours. Like, hey, get a standing desk, stand for three hours, sit for five hours. Yeah. Try that. And then yeah. slowly add in more standing. And yeah. you know, it actually really does matter how you set the desk up, right? Like if you set it up too low and you're bent over, yeah, then you're trading one orthopedic <laughs> problem for another. So I mean, you really need to be kind of meticulous about it. You need to set your standing and desk up correctly at the right height so that your monitor is straight in front of your yeah. face. And you know, there, there are some ways that you can create success moving to a standing desk. So when you do it, I'll expect a report. <laughs> like Juliet, yes. Yes. Like <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. So. Wow. Well, that's just that's just great. I think, I think we probably should wrap it up. Did I make you feel bad about it? You're like, oh my god, I feel I know, horrible. We need to like, stand up. Like, why am I sitting in this chair? I feel horrible for making us sit in these chairs now. Yeah. Um, but really my microphone just needs to be taller. So. Yes. Yes. We're like leaning over. I know. Too. Maybe next time. Yes. Um, but yeah, well, Juliet, thank you so much. Thank for you for having me. Taking the time. Yeah, thanks for letting me come by. <laughs> I can't wait for you to go to Kelly's class tomorrow. Yeah, I think that's, I'm a little scared. Don't be scared. It sounds pretty intense. He's intense, but he's nice. All right, yeah. he's an intense, nice guy. Yes. Okay, well, yes. I'm super, super excited to learn a lot from him. I think he'll probably give me some good things to work on. <laughs> yeah, and thanks for having me. And, you know, thanks so much for the work you guys are doing with Box Pro, really. I mean, I think... Um, you know, there's so many gyms and I think it's really easy for people to just sort of get so focused on the day-to-day -day because it's yes. so busy and I think people need help and resources and community of other business owners. So 